Hello and welcome to another episode of Tell Great Stories, the podcast that looks back on some of Unbound Theatre's past projects and productions. My name is Emily Pugh and I'm going to be talking to some of the cast and the director of the Panto production Sword in the Stone, which was performed in 2018. Hello, I'm Andy Shaw and I played King Arthur. Hello, I am Philippa Garrido and I played Morgana. Hello, I'm Chris Barnett and I played the Lady in the Lake. Hello, my name's Lara Pipistrol and I was the director in an impromptu Nimue understudy. Oh, brilliant. I also played Gwen in this production. So, Lara, as the director, can you give us a brief summary of the plot and tell us what aspects of the project you were most looking forward to tackling? Yes. Um, so it's set in the world of King Arthur uh, with the idea that um, Arthur is getting a bit older and needs to name his successor. Uh, so he decides that the best way to do this is to have a competition to uh, draw Excalibur from the stone. Uh, Arthur has a daughter called Anwen who wants to compete, but's told that the girls can't be king, can't be rulers. Um, and we have Morgana who's up to mischief. She wants her son Mordred to be king, uh, so she sets out to steal Merlin's book of magic so that she can uh, reverse the spell on the stone that Merlin's cast to kind of steal it back out of it, um, which she succeeds in doing. She takes over the court and banishes Arthur. Uh, Merlin ends up taking Arthur back into his past and showing him that he has simple beginnings. Um, and during these simple beginnings, that the, the sword in the stone wasn't actually Excalibur. So perhaps all was not lost and the kingdom wasn't quite lost yet. Um, along the way, they also see Anwin, who has run away and is trying to get back to the court with the knights to try and uh, defeat Morgana. Um, and he realises that he's made a mistake in saying that she shouldn't be ruler. Uh, and at this point, we have Merlin, uh, who is, is getting on a bit, bless him. He's, he's not, he's, it hasn't been quite right for the entire uh, show, but uh, he's decided that it's, it's time for him with his power waning to move into the eternal sleep in the world beyond our own. Um, we then see Arthur, uh, who takes on Morgana and fights to try and reclaim the throne. But unfortunately, he's wounded. Um, and at this moment is when uh, Anwen uh, comes into the fray with uh, her sword. And uh, Morgana decides to summon the Serpent of Albion. Uh, and Anwen rises to the occasion, defeats both the Serpent and Morgana, but unfortunately it's too late for Arthur, who has been poisoned by uh, Morgana's blade. Um, and it turns out that the sword that Anwen has was the sword in the stone all along, and Arthur had gifted it to her, um, and she is named heir, and unfortunately we see Arthur pass also into the eternal sleep in the world beyond our own. Um, uh, but we finish the end of the play with Anwen becoming queen. So that's that's the nutshell yeah. <laughs> of the plot. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's quite it's quite difficult to to sum two hours of pantomime up into you know uh, ten ten sentences or so. But I gave it my best try. Um, in terms of what aspects of the 
project that I was most looking forward to. I, I mean, I love Arthurian legends and, you know, fantasy and magic. So the whole aesthetic really, really pleased to me. Um, but the biggest thing I think for me person on a personal level was that it was a real milestone for me as a director. Um, I had directed several smaller things before um, and I directed a lot of short short plays and things like that but this was the longest production that I'd ever had sole direction control over <laughs> so um so that was a bit of a milestone for me uh to be put in charge of such a major production um so that was that was a big thing um I think what appealed to me about taking the project on itself uh, was that it was a bit of a darker style of panto you know we'd gone away from the traditional mm. tales that everyone associates with pantomime um it's still funny it's still family friendly it's you know still very upbeat and there's still the, the songs and the dances um but it's something that didn't shy away from from some of the darker tones that can accompany family at christmas time you know we see a lot of people that struggle at christmas that it can be a difficult difficult time of year for them and i think you know we know that children are affected too but we don't talk about it. And I think having the death of Arthur be in the pantomime, but handled in a way that's child friendly and that's upbeat and that doesn't dwell on the, the grief side of things was a way of being able to talk about those serious issues and, you know, showing children that it's OK, that, you know, it happens and that it's something that even heroes have to deal with. Um, so that really appealed to me. Um, and also, of course, I think it was great that we had uh, not only a female director, but uh, two female leads, um, which is unusual for pantomimes. Often the female lead is playing a, a male character um, in the case of Peter Pan and things like that. Uh, so having having a, a female cast <clears throat> was very interesting as well. So there were a lot of things that really appealed to me about taking on the project. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you. And you did such a good job. Because yeah. there's a lot of us yeah. to wrangle. You really yeah, did. Yeah, large indeed. Cast. Well done. Mm. Well done, Lara. <laughs> it was fab. <laughs> and it is a large cast, and a lot of that cast comes from new people as well as old people. And Andy, you were you were one of those new people. This was your first show with Unbound. And also your first acting role for quite yeah. some time. Um, how did you come to be involved in the production? And how did you find the rehearsal process? Well, um, yeah, it had been quite a long time. Um, going back to my GCSEs, I think was the last time I was on stage in an acting role for my, um, yeah, I think it was my GCSE for drama. And I always meant to come back. I always wanted to come back and do something. In the back of my mind, I was thinking, yeah, it'd be good. I'd, I'd love to play a villain one day and to have a bit of, bit of a laugh on a stage uh, again. Um, uh, other than music, because I've done a lot of music on stage, but but theatre was was just always something that I'll do one day when I'm ready. And um, I've known Lara for quite some years, um, probably at the time about 10 or so years, I think. And yeah. uh, we were at a party. I can't remember which party it was. Um, and we were discussing <laughs> the, whole, the whole possibly going back into acting thing. And I said I'd, I'd seen the ad, ads on Facebook for um, Sword in a Stone. I'd, I'd thought about it. And I said to Lara at this party, yeah, I'm too busy. I... I I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe another time. Maybe this isn't the one. And she said to me, um, "We're still looking for a King Arthur, if you fancy it, or something along those lines." 
And yeah. in that moment, I thought, yeah, I could be King Arthur. In fact, I think I am King Arthur. So, so first thing I did was, well, first thing I didn't do, um, I stopped shaving. I decided if I'm going to go for it, Arthur needs a nice big beard and mine grows really slowly. So I thought, if I've got any chance of, of, of looking the part, then I need to get started now. Um, Lara kindly set up a, a separate audition for me. Um, and obviously I did something right there, I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, um, we, we'd already we'd done the first half of... We, we have two audition days uh, for, for the cast. And um, we'd done the first half and um, I knew that we were expecting some more new people to arrive for the, for the second lot of auditions, but Andy couldn't make those auditions. So I, I actually held three other separate audition days for various people that wanted to come on audition because I was really keen on bringing new people on board to Unbound. Um, and I, I did secretly think that King Arthur would... would be a great role for Andy um just because his his presence and his speaking voice is it's quite regal you know I could really see him I could really see him in the role Thank you very much. um and it, it it was interesting seeing how other people approached the role it was quite close you know we did have other people audition mm. um but uh in the end and myself and the producer Dario sat down and discussed things and yes because uh, I think it's important, you know, when you, when you are friends with a cast member, <laughs> to try and get that second opinion because you can be, yeah. you know, biased even when you're not intending to be. Absolutely. Um, so it was nice to have that kind of backed up and not just be like, oh yeah, that's my mate, yeah. he's really good, isn't it? <laughs> that's, um, that's great. I'm, yeah. yeah, it was nice. <laughs> it was nice to kind of just go, Daria, I'm not, I'm not just being, <laughs> I'm not being silly. Casting this person that's never. Uh, worked with Unbound before and hasn't been on stage for a while as such a main role oh. like it's a risk is this an acceptable risk for for the project and we decided that it was absolutely and it was I'm... great it was absolutely the best thing that we could have Yay. done it was great thank you I was, I was very pleased I think um and I, I wouldn't want to take on a part that was given to me just because we're pals you know it, it wouldn't be right so <laughs> yeah so oh, I'm I, glad yeah, exactly. that you uh you sort of went through the proper channels I suppose is the is the way but um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of did. It put on a, an element of pressure, uh, nice pressure, because um, it meant when I was first into the, uh, having got having got the part um, and into that first rehearsal, I did feel like right. I don't want to let my friend down for one, and also this company who was I knew a few people a little bit, but I didn't know people very well. So I kind of wanted to make a really good impression. When I first joined in, so. Um, well, you were one of the first off book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were all like, "Oh no!" Yes, yeah, true. I, I literally <laughs> thought, so shown up by the new guy. I, I really thought that was the way it had to be. I, I didn't. I didn't know that it was kind of a bit more relaxed than than um, the, than it was in the end. Um, no, Andy, that's, that's the way it should be. No it's just for late, and you, and you did, you did it maybe. properly. Maybe, well, yeah. maybe, yeah. <laughs> Let's go with that. Let's go with I did it properly, and I came in and showed you how to do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Your director was very pleased with you. <laughs> that's good. And I, I was pleased that when when I very first opened my mouth for the first few lines that I read, and I kind of noticed a few heads turn, and somebody, I think it was Abby, uh, who played uh, Guinevere, afterwards said to me, wow, that's really good. You're like, 
really professional kind of sounding and um yeah you're great i think she thought i was you know this was uh, something i did all the time maybe and to have that those kind of comments come back to me was a real kind of confidence booster having put off this whole idea of getting back on a stage for so many years just kind of slightly doubting myself slightly doubting whether i had the time to do it properly and not wanting to go in it half-heartedly to then have you know nice comments like that come from most people i think said something nice and and lara giving really good feedback as well throughout the whole process it really helped and it i almost kind of forgot that arthur was a character i was playing and i really did feel like i was actually arthur in that room i i was no longer andy shaw i was king arthur and 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 that really um that really helped me to to build the character and to and to also interact with my my fellow cast members as well oh and chris you've been around a while but <laughs> i mean in the kindest of ways i think, I think that's a, is that a compliment or not i'm not sure no. of course it's a compliment but this was the first time you played a dame um how yeah. do you approach such an iconic part in a pantomime and what's challenging about it and what's rewarding right well the challenging part was um that queen's park over the years have had a very good established dame uh and he couldn't do that yeah I don't, i'm not sure what the reasons were and so if someone else needed to step up and do it it's always a role i thought i could do because um i've been involved with panto both on stage and off stage for, for a number of years at various locations and it's always a role i thought looks like a fun role because you can if you like get away with things as, as the dame uh, you've got that opportunity to break that third wall because you can interact with the audience quite legitimately within, within a pan so and um, it, that's all part of the fun and there's also the element of um, which I enjoy as everybody knows that uh, you can maybe push a little bit further because you're, you're aiming things at the adults that hopefully go over the head of the children and, and there's that little bit of thing that you get in pan so so um, to be given the opportunity to do it was, was wonderful. I mean, I, I did all obviously audition. Um, I don't think anybody else did actually, but uh, no. Um, and uh, it was great. And chance to do it and given the opportunity to do it was um wonderful. And yeah, it it, it is uh, an iconic role, and and people do expect things of the dame. Um, spending time with the audience, picking on a gentleman, uh, having fun with them. Um, and it, it was great fun, and I was really glad I did it. Because uh, what was I? I had done a few other pantos, and the year before, I'd been in a sort of an old man character role of Geppetto when we did Pinocchio, and that was lovely because um, the children sort of came up to you in in a, in a nice role afterwards. But the dame, it's more the parents the way they react to you afterwards, which is uh, great fun. And um, I was pleased to be able to do it again a second time the, the following year. So it's a role I did thoroughly enjoy, and I, I'm thankful for Laura and Dara giving me the opportunity. and. Yeah. Um... Philippa, as Morgana, you had a lot of big scenes throughout the show. How do you maintain that energy? Because it's such a demanding role during such a long run. And what were the scenes and songs you were most looked forward to performing? Thanks, Sims. So um, with Morgana, she she was a brilliant character to play. Don't get me wrong. You know, she was like my first baddie. I've never played baddie before. So it was a huge privilege when Lara and Daria gave me the part and I thought, oh, gosh, it's such a big part and she's mean and all of that, you know, so different. But I thought, you know what, let's just give it a try because it could be a lot of fun. And you know what? It turned out to be amazing. 
So um, with the energy levels, it's just like, I think it's just when you go on stage and, and I can only speak, you know, like by being a buddy that the energy is just so high, you know, when you go in and because it's, the character itself is just so different from myself that is just such a challenge that, you know, you go in and it's just like, it's just so big and so wonderful that you just you just carry on you know you just not even realize and then when you realize it's like the end of the show and you go like oh my gosh what how did that happen um so the energy levels it just comes you know with the interaction with the audience with all of your you know all the people that are in the cast you know it's just it's just wonderful um when it comes mm. to the favorite scene so i was really really honored that i had a solo <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, this character's got solo. I was like, what are they thinking? <laughs> you know, it's like, that is a huge responsibility. And then also that solo was really, really amazing because, you know, I had to interact with Andy, um, you know, and he was a puppet and it was just just so amazing just to have you know um, a choreography as well as well as the solo so it's just like really really interesting so that was really amazing to do uh, and it was a brilliant song you know it was just really fantastic uh and then you know the whole show which is fab you know i thought I, it was just wonderful when she finally got like no you go away you know you're no good you go away um so you know, yeah, it was just an amazing show. You know, the energy level just, <laughs> I was working full time as well. So it's just like, you need a, yeah. even extra, um, <laughs> you know, just, just to carry on. But no, I think it just like the whole cast was just so supportive. Lara was so supportive of everything. So I think everything just kind of like got together and it was just amazing to be part of. So, yeah. <laughs> To be fair, whenever you're singing in a panto, everyone backstage is lip syncing to it. No, or really? Whenever you have like an entrance, like people will yeah. like walk in and they'll be like, T- I've just oh, realised we're doing not... a voice recording and no one can see what I'm doing. But, I do not know that. When you have those powerful moments, everyone's just like, yes, oh, it's great. That's amazing. Everyone enjoyed it every time. Oh, thank just, you. Yeah. I did not know that. So that's oh. really nice. Thank you. I'm just like, oh, there you I'm go. like blushing now. It's like, it's so nice. <laughs> well, just add on what you said there, uh, Philip. About yeah, I mean, as a dame, I was given a song to sing in a solo. I mean, I'm I'm not a renowned singer. I mean, I can neither am I. Don't worry. But so, um, <laughs> oh no, you do a lot better than I do. But to actually sort of be on stage and and, and have the audience in your hand sing the song is is a lovely yeah. experience. It really yeah. is. And I think there's a point there actually. I mean, I don't know if this gets mentioned. Um, if not, it should do. As something Philip has said. You know, we are an amateur production group, and yet we're putting on a massive amount of performances through mm. December. And all all of us are, are obviously got our day jobs as well, or, or whatever it is people do for their um, income. So it's it's a massive commitment that we that we do take on, and um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that's um, part of the appreciation of what we why we do. Yeah, it. It, it is very exhausting, but it's a kind of a good exhaustion, I think. It's like. Yeah, yeah. Is, you know, well we spent. start rehearsals September. It's an eight, most of the time they're eighteen shows in a run. Um, yeah, it's when you have those weekends where you've got like one on the Friday, two Saturday, two Sunday, one Monday, and then if it's if it's Christmas Eve, you have one on the Tuesday. And you get to Christmas Day and you're <laughs> like, well, I just what I'm day just, is it? Isn't what it? What <laughs> yeah. I, I need a nap. <laughs> 
this last Christmas, I had to go see the family. It's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> it must have been the first Christmas for a while, that Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> so, audience participation is essential to any pantomime. Um, what are you guys' favourite interactions you've had with the audience? And how do you stop it from getting out of control? <laughs> I mean, from a, from a direction point of view, um, I think that the most important thing when it comes to when you have um, moments where you know the cast are going to be interacting, you know, when they're walking through the centre of the audience or when they're actually asking questions and, and, and having patter back and forth, um, is to prepare your actors as much as possible. And I think we we have a nice tradition in the cast of uh, heckling one another uh, when when each other's on stage um, and, you know, encouraging that and saying, you know, I, I want you guys to, to give them feedback to be the audience. It allows that practice and that feeling of getting comfortable with the unexpected, because mm. if anyone's going to throw out anything unexpected, it's a bunch of actors <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so... Yeah, from the terms of how you stop it getting out of control, there, there's no way to stop it. Um, there's only a way to prepare your actors to, to manage it and to be able to process through it in a family-friendly manner <laughs> is perhaps how... That, that would be my answer to how, it, how you prepare. There was a particular scene um, where I'm on the front of the stage uh, talking to Morgana, but I'm I'm talking to the audience as if I'm talking to Morgana through some kind of a, I don't know, um, portal <laughs> or something. I don't know. Uh, and then Morgana happy in a balcony. Yeah, Philip is actually behind me on the on the balcony. Um, we've got That's this conversation right, yeah. going between us, but the audience, they as soon as they see the the villain behind King Arthur, they want to protect me. They're mostly very protective of me, so. They want to tell me, of course. They want to say, oh, she's behind you. I you know, think it's a she's behind you scene. <laughs> and some nights they went absolutely crazy, didn't they? They were just so loud. And, they did, and I think, yeah. <laughs> I think it was um, Lara's advice just to kind of give them a bit of time, but also just to try and signal to them. So like my hands were sort of do a calming motion, so calm down kind of thing. Let them kind of get it out of their system so we can carry on with the scene and actually be heard. But there was one night where... It was so off-putting <laughs> that I, I actually forgot I had another line to say, and, yeah. and I did my. I remember oh that. no! And I just sort of walked off, did my last line rather than like a bit of a plot line, and just walked off the stage and realised, oh no, I've just left Philippa in the lurch there. She's up on the balcony, <laughs> being screamed at. Um, what do I do? Um, I can obviously I can't go back on. So. <laughs> I don't know how you handled that, Philip. I can't remember. I had quite, a, I had quite a lot as Gwen. So I was playing mm. a girl who was dressed up as a boy, so she could be a knight. So I had a blindingly obvious fake beard, um, and that's the thing. It was supposed mm -hmm. to be obvious to everyone but the cast. Well, the you know the other, um, like the king and the other knights, and. Oh, the kids, they just, every time you walked past them or went near them, they were like, she's a girl. Like, I know that's a fake beard. Because that's something about kids is when they know something, they want you to know that they know. And they don't like yeah. it when you're just like, Shh. and normally what I did, I was like, it's a secret or I'm being hidden. And like, because luckily most of the times that I'm walking down the rake or I'm sat right next to them at the front and I'm like, and this yeah. is at the beginning. And after a while, 
they're like pretty chill because they're like oh th- this is a thing oh i get it now because very quickly mm. in the script it helps because it's like oh <laughs> girls can't be knights and then they're like oh that's why yeah so it can be done through writing as well I think with with my character, the bonus is when you play a baddie, it's kind of like children tend to be louder anyway when you're on stage because they just want boo, you know, no, no, she's behind you, this, this and that. But then it's funny just how a few hand gestures towards them coming from a baddie, how they're just like, whoops, I better not say anything else, you know. <laughs> and it's quite funny, you know, just I had... Um, I don't know if it was on that one that you were saying, Andy, or if it was another a scene um, that literally they just kept saying, you know, I think actually it was the one that you were saying behind you. And I actually had to just kind of like, kind of almost like, just like did a really big gesture with my hands, like if I was just casting a spell kind of thing. And they went silent. Oh, yeah. And it was just like, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh. Oh my gosh, what did I just do? They all silent. Okay, I have to say my lines. But <laughs> just, I did not expect to have that sort of reaction. And it was just like, oh, okay. I know what to do next, yeah. you know, next time, you know. But so, yeah, I think it's it just coming back to what you said. It was just, I think, I think I end up just a couple of times with that scene that we did together. I did that mm. and it just like went silent. And I think, I don't know, I don't remember if it was Lara's advice or if it was Lara's and Dario's advice to do that, but it was. <laughs> so thank you, because it was fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Chris and Lara, the slapstick scene is always one of the most popular in Panta. Always is. Um, how do you go about performing and how do you go about directing a slapstick? How does the magic happen? <laughs> slapstick <laughs> is probably the most rehearsed part of any show. Because you have to rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it. So it looks so natural. And when it goes wrong, it goes wrong because it's rehearsed go wrong. And every person involved in that scene knows what's going to happen. I mean, the perfect example of that is, is this group that are doing now things like the play that goes wrong and things like that. It's so, so rehearsed so that everybody on the stage at any time knows what's going to happen when there's slapstick or something's going to go wrong. Um, yeah, so... Uh, I've got to say, Lara actually pretty much left um, uh, uh, Matt and I to get on with that ourselves, and, and and we just sort of put together some bits and pieces, then ran it past that uh, Dario and Lara, and sort of changed a few things and changed a few things. But yeah, Matt and I were meeting uh, outside of the, the Sunday rehearsal just to go over that a, a couple of hours every week uh, in the run up to the show, just to make sure we both knew exactly what we were going to do. Because it's not just actually doing the slapstick, it's the, the effect of it, the, the mess it makes on the stage and, and the, obviously the scenes that follow and then getting yourself cleaned up so you can then join in the, the next sort of scene as fast as you can. And which has to be said that a lot of other members of the cast then get involved because there's obviously the um, you know cleaning up afterwards and getting it prepared beforehand. So um, trailer it's slime. a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It was a horrible, horrible <laughs> coloured slime that year, wasn't it? Um, it's a lot of fun to do, but it has to be so, so rehearsed. And so it, but rehearsed not just to get it right, but rehearsed to make it look so naturally right when it goes wrong. It's also the big you heaviest I mean? table we yeah. have. <laughs> it is the heaviest table. Yeah. So it's all it's on wheels though, isn't oh, it? Yeah. It's on wheels now. It's so, on wheels uh... now. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the things I insisted on when we started moving that table around. I said, "Can we put wheels at one and make it like a wheelbarrow? Because then it'd be so much easier to move." <laughs> and that's yeah. what we did. So, yeah. but yeah, I don't, I don't know if you want to add, add to that, Laura. So. Um... 
I mean, slapstick is is perhaps one of the tougher things to get right. As Chris Brightly said, like, you know, it's not a case of just, oh, you drop things and it goes wrong. There's a real rhythm to it and it's very physical. Mm. Um, and I, I think what I found was the most important thing was that, you know, Chris and Matt were able to uh, bounce off of one another and really put things together that suited not only them as actors in terms of their physical capabilities, but them mm. as characters as well. Um, and Matt is actually trained in physical theatre, so he went to, to university and is trained in physical theatre. Um, and, you know, we had a lot of chats about how he saw it going and, you know, the, the rhythm element that he wanted to bring in in terms of pacing and things like that. Um, so I felt quite comfortable letting him and Chris, who has, you know, been in so many pantos and knows knows the slapstick routines inside and out, to go and really work on something that, that suited them and, and their capabilities. And we workshopped it a lot. <laughs> you know, these guys were sure. in working on that scene week in, week out for months. And, you know, they'd come back, we'd tweak it, They'd go away, they'd do some more, they'd come back. It was a real kind of process. Mm. Um, and I think there's a lot to be said for leaning on the strength of the cast and, you know, allowing people that creative freedom to put themselves into the production. And as a director, I'm, I'm a lot about that. I'm, I'm trying to bring in everyone um, because I think it, it makes a better piece. Everyone is has put part of themselves into it. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, the, the boring answer is it's drilling over and over and over and over yeah. again. <laughs> if they had a spare minute, I was, you know, go, go and rehearse the slapstick. Like, oh, you sat down, I can go rehearse the slapstick. <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah, a bit of a draw sergeant. Um, but yeah, I think the largest part was um, the, the cleanup mm. and the shooting, the technical aspects around that. That's probably what took the longest during the technical rehearsal, let alone anything else. <laughs> you know when um, it's the slapstick when the dressing room's empty? Because yes. what happens is the corridor, just before the end, becomes completely empty, the corridor backstage where everyone goes, oh, God, yeah. I need to move. Um, and then it's just like a swarm. And like yes. that's when you sort of know you're sort of wandering the dressing room. You're like, oh, I need to be somewhere else cleaning, and um, and it is like that because it's like cleaning people on stage, people backstage, and we always have the dancers, and they tend to just be like, I'm I'm not going near that. That is chaos. There is a bunch of adults running around with cloths. <laughs> <laughs> there is slime being like anything is. As much as we tried to clean up, there was always like a bit of slime somewhere. Always yeah. like green, pink. You didn't make it through the production without stepping in it. Like yeah. it wasn't possible, <laughs> but it was brilliant yeah. to sort of, and it's really helpful when it's when everyone knows what they're doing and they're following the process because that process then works backstage as well. Yeah, mm. oh. yeah, and I, I think also, Indeed. yeah, I, I agree. Was, uh, add to the bit about slapstick as well is that um, when you know it's it's working well is when you get um, a re reaction from the audience on a bit that you've put in to go wrong, purposely. And they think it hasn't, you know, you've 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 gone wrong, and that's when you know it's working. So you can just sort of thrive on that and keep going because if it's the rehearse going wrong looks good to them natural, then it, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make yeah. sense? I don't know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's a it's a full cast effort. You know, it 
Absolutely. Oh, totally. It was, you know, yeah. The, yeah, Matt and, and Chris workshopped it inside and out and, and <clears> did the, the bulk of the heavy lifting in terms of, you know, pulling something off that's that slick. And then you have an entire cast behind the scenes who has to, you know, military precision get things in and out as quickly as possible and everything cleaned up because you, you've got about two minutes, maybe three to get everything clean and tidy and off stage. And I think that's a little bit of the kind of theatre magic mm. that happens that people don't see that's, yeah, the chaos backstage. Yeah. It's ordered chaos, but it's <laughs> chaos. <laughs> Indeed <Yeah>. it is. <laughs> well, I hope it is. <laughs> and people, and people yeah. trying to work quietly as well instead of shouting at each other, get that bit yeah. of yeah. <laughs> Dragging that heavy table across the floor. Yeah. As <laughs> quietly as possible, yeah. It's just a chorus of quiet, move. <laughs> <laughs> um, so obviously we talked about there's quite a lot of choreography behind that but also mm. Philippa and Andy you were involved in fight sequences at the end of the show mm. fight sequences mm. fight sequence yep. um, how did you find learning the combat moves and what are your favourite memories of the grand finale with Millie the dragon I'll let you go first Andy and then I'll tell my yeah, share you've got two to talk about <laughs> you've you, you finished know, me off exactly. quite quickly on the first one <laughs> um, yeah, I loved the fight sequence. I think um, it really, you know, coming into something relatively new for me and then having all these different facets of the whole process all in one and having the fight scene as well was just just like a, um, a step up, you know, something that I I wasn't expecting, uh, kind of how how involved it was going to be, how much work there was to do in there. And I think much like the slapstick, it's a very, very rehearsed thing. There's There's a lot of safety you need to take into account of warming up making sure you limber up enough but also making sure that you get the moves right without making it look like you're just poking at each other with a with a, a foam sword but actually make it look like there's some real weight behind it um but trying to do that in a safe way without actually maiming your opponent or, or accidentally winning when i'm not supposed to um so um it was it was a really involved process and we had um we, we had Matthew Rook um, come in who uh, helped to choreo choreograph the whole scene and to, and to take us through how to do it properly. Um, and in the end, I think what we originally had was a lot more than um, what we ended up doing because I think, it, I can't remember how many moves it was, like the individual like swish from that way to that way or poke from this way to that way. I think we had a couple of dozen different moves and we had to edit it down just to make it more manageable. Yeah, I think it started um, off with something like 56 and we ended up with 24. If I remember right, rightly. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we yeah. pretty much halved it. Pretty much. Yeah. We had a very enthusiastic fight director. He's a professional choreographer <laughs> um, and he does work on films and various other things. So uh we'd asked him to come in as, as a favor to the the theater and he was brilliant from start to finish um we got halfway through the rehearsals with him and <clears throat> we did have to sort of um approach it from a okay we we have actors who are going to be doing this for 18 shows and mm. we need to bring this back a little bit in terms of like realistic uh expectations and what people can manage um so yeah that's uh that's how that's why it, it ended up getting cut down um and actually yeah. i think it really benefited 
everyone in and the scene yeah. um because it it meant that everything was a lot more polished because there was less to learn so mm. we could practice more yeah. um and it just made it really pacey you know and it mm. gave time for for acting to happen for lines to happen yeah. for things to build so yeah that was that was a choice we made yeah. about halfway through the the fights I, t I tell you what, I dare anybody to do a fight scene in a dress. <laughs> and, Andy, you were, Andy, I can tell you, you were very lucky because, well, actually, you still had that coat over you anyway, so I kind of give you a little bit on that one. Yeah. But I dare anyone to have a very, very pretty dress and do a fight scene and look, you know, and look bad, you know, and look like mm. a baddie, like, no, I know what I'm doing. And I remember, like, um, when I got the script, I did not know if it was going to be a fight scene. Let's just put it out there. And then, and then later on, when Lars said, no, it's a fight scene, I was like, uh, uh, okay. And then I find out, you know, Andy was going to do, um, is going to play King uh, um, Arthur. And people might not know, but I'm like five foot three. And, and Andy <laughs> is like, I don't know, how tall are you, like six, two or something? Many more than, than five three, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so he's like a really tall guy. So I really had to, um, you know, act with John, which is like six four. So I'm like feeling like really mm. tiny, telling these people off. It's just not nice. Anyway, so to do a fight scene with someone that is really tall, we really, really had to work it out, you know, big time. So Lara was hugely, immensely just, so helpful just to kind of like help us go through that then we had also had you know our choreographer and then we had Alistair as well that helped us so we had quite a few people that kind of helped us just you know because also I had a fight scene with Andy and then I had a fight scene with Hannah who played Anwen so and both of them had to have you still had to have you know the energy with it but of course one was one thing and then the other one was completely different so um but I had to maintain that energy with both of them so I think that's when it came to the fact that we needed to kind of like have a few less moves you know mm. just to make it more polished as as Lara said but it was just brilliant and everybody mm. just loved it you know the kids were just like oh my gosh what's gonna happen and then and then unfortunately like oh, i felt really bad like every single night just kind of wounded andy it was just oh, like yeah. and it was just on the floor like and i was like oh no no you know it was just, it, i was just like it's just not not me anyway and then and then you know then hannah just wins the fight and then they drag me out and all that but it, and also, you know, going back to what Emily also mentioned, you know, to the bit of the, um, you know, when Millie the dragon was there. I love that bit. I absolutely love that bit, you know, because after all that, you know, like one fight scene kind of thing. And then I just kind of have this spell and my arms are up and then all of a sudden behind me comes this huge dragon head. And it was just magical. I can tell you the kids were just, like glued to their seats, go like, oh, it's mm. a dragon, you know, like they were just like so excited and so mesmerized with what they were seeing. And the whole scene then all together, it, it was, it just worked so brilliantly. So guys, well done. Thank you. It was just so fabulous to be part of it. And, you know, Lara, thank you as well. <laughs> and thank you, Andy. And, you know, it's just fabulous. You know, I, 
I truly honestly tell you, I did not know that I could do something like that. In a <laughs> yeah. So, Bravo. Yeah. Yeah. Bravo. So, you know what? It's it's a good thing. So if I've done that in a dress, then I think I can do something else as well. So yeah. So that's just Philippa. <laughs> Philip, the difference is, though, you're used to wearing a dress. This was the first time I was wearing a dress on stage. So for me, it's very different. Yeah, yeah but, you, but you didn't have to fight, Chris. You didn't have to fight anybody with a sword. Oh, I could have done that. I could have done that. I think, yeah. I think you could. I think you could. You're right. Oh. Lara, write notes for the hey, next I'll time. Yeah, write though. notes. That's what he wants to do. I think one of my um, one of my favourite parts of that, uh, well, I think that scene was one of my favourite things I've ever done, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think a couple of things that I really enjoyed <laughs> was, um, well, I think it's the very first night, the, the opening night, and I walked down, brandished my sword, walked down the rake, and ready to meet, and I'm ready for this wonderful music, the fight scene music, to come on just to build up the tension. <laughs> And we stood there, we're kind of like facing off slightly, ready for this music yeah. which isn't coming. And, and I'm thinking, it wasn't music. What are we going to do? It felt like an age. Like, do we start? I think we we thought. I think we both kind of looked at each other, thought the same yeah. thing. I thought, yeah. okay, like, let's just go for let's it. Just... And then swords came together, and the music started in that started, moment. Yeah. It was like, yes, right, this is it. Carry on with our moves. I remember. I remember us looking at each other, go like. Yeah. Right, okay, we just have to just do it because otherwise if we stand here just like looking at each other it's going to look like, what are they waiting for? Just, you know, what is happening, you know? What is it? And then, yeah, as Andy said, and then we both just mm. said, you know what, let's just... And then we just went for it and, you know, yeah. we both knew that, you know, we were just going over there. And the music then started and it was just like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and also what I really loved as well was um, the fact that having chopped my arm, you know, with your I'm poisonous so sword... 18 mm. times, and then I think it was in my, my Christmas card from you, or birthday card, I can't remember. Um, you oh, put a little plaster. Card, yeah. <laughs> yeah, little, little plaster in my birthday card. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did, I did, because I felt so bad every single night. I was just cutting his arm, and then it was just like, I was like, let me just give you a little plaster, you know, maybe that might just help healing the process. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it, it certainly helped a little bit. I'm sure. Death by 18 slow foamy cuts. Yes. <laughs> Did you have yeah. a bruise in the end or something after 18 uh, not, times? Not there, not there, but I did have a bruise on my, my tail. Cause oh, because of falling. Fallen back, yeah. I had to fall back 18 times and a couple of times I didn't do it quite right. I did bruise myself in one of the middle performances and I thought, oh, okay, let's, the next few falls are going to have to be a bit more controlled. But I think on one of the more controlled ones, I also hit one of the stones that are supposed to be oh, set no. in the ground and it moved. So I had to move it back <laughs> while dying and lying on the floor so that Millie, when, when Millie the dragon comes on, they, they weren't going to run into the stone, which I've knocked into the path oh. where the dragon's supposed to go. So I don't I think anyone noticed. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of seeing you go like, I'm just laying down and moving this yeah. down I'm very down. slowly. No one knows. <laughs> Subtly moving it back towards my head where it yeah. should be. <laughs> That's it. It's in the right place now. Okay, carry on. <laughs> so to finish, if you could play any character in Panto, who would it be? And also, is there a pantomime story Unbound hasn't done yet that you'd like to be involved in? Please don't all go at once. <laughs> Do we have an order? Well, I have to say, um, if, ever, if ever did something like Cinderella, 
I'd love to be a Buttons because that's one of the, that's one of the iconic characters of Panto, isn't it? Buttons, and um, again, it's just a, a fun role that uh, you can have so much fun with. Having said that, they're doing Cinderella. There's also the Ugly Sisters, so um, I'd be torn. <laughs> <laughs> really be, but, uh, yeah, so there you go. There's, there's a thought. <laughs> I think I I would just like to play any character. I just love being in Panto. You know, it that's that's the magic of it. You know, it's just like all of the cast is just wonderful to work with you know so any part would have been fab you know good or bad you know <laughs> she's a baddie or she's a goodie you know i don't mind it's just literally it's just being part of that magic it's literally mm. just being part of that magic that is what is what i'm you know what i love that's just what it is so so yeah so <laughs> yeah just give me a part i'll be happy it's all good <laughs> <laughs> Hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> uh, for me, I want to play Hook. Ah. Yeah. I want to be Hook. That's hint, uh, hint for <laughs> sure. Hint, hint. <laughs> hint, hint. I've, I've got my own Hook, so uh, you know, I could bring that to the rehearsal. Um, to, so yeah, Hook would be great, but to be honest, any baddie, I, I always, you know, when I, when I was sort of eyeing up the stage for those 20 years between me not doing anything, um, and wanting to get back and do something, uh, perhaps on a panto, I was thinking I'd love to go in and be a baddie. I think I'd make a good baddie. Yeah. Uh, I've got the eye, the eyebrow, <laughs> the eyebrow. So, and I've got the hook. But I just love to have something where I'm booed and I, I can just like really interact with the audience and, you know, threaten to turn them into toads or threaten to garrot them with my hook or uh, um, whichever whichever character is off with their heads kind of thing. I don't know. Just something that um, I can really play up and just, just yeah, put them in their place. I don't think I have the self-esteem to be booed every night. It's <laughs> <laughs> hard. But I really like the fact that I've always played really cool, strong female characters. And I just like that to continue because I've been really lucky with that. I'm like, I've had fantastic characters and I, I just want that to continue in whatever form it is. Um, yeah, because it's it's great. <laughs> um, I I yeah. picking up on both of both of what you just said. Um, I would love to play a baddie as well. I've never played a baddie in a panto. Um, I did enjoy directing, and I would direct again definitely. Um, but if I was gonna play someone, yeah, a Morgana or a Maleficent, you know, I I think that we don't see enough baddie big bad female characters we see more of them now you know sort of um post frozen should we say <laughs> we see more um but yeah i think they they're fun to play and uh yeah um but in terms of you know what kind of pantos i'd like to see that unbound hasn't done yet I think the thing that Unbound does really well and something that I really value in the company is that we we push people and we help people to develop and uh, to become more than what they were when they first joined us, whether that's, you know, um, helping them to direct their first pantomime um, and then giving them the reins on a whole new show. Or, uh, you know, picking someone that hasn't been in theatre since GCSEs and, <laughs> and giving them a main <laughs> role. You know, we, we're not afraid to take those risks that maybe other theatre companies wouldn't. Um, you know, because I think there's, you know, you take a risk when you don't know how well someone's going to handle something. Um, you know, it, it may all come tumbling down. 
And I think that what I li loved so much about The Sword in the Stone was that we we took a risk on many levels from, from casting to directing to the show itself, which was an original piece, which wasn't traditionally a pantomime. And I think breaking away from some of those traditional tales sometimes is a really good thing. You know, pantos bring a lot of joy and they're expected in many ways. You know, there are the tropes and you expect that they use behind you and there's a formula to them. Um, but I think retelling the same ones over and over again each year is not doing as much service as could be done with the new things coming in. So for me, I think something new, again, another mm. different thing. That would be interesting. I just want to say something as well on, on those lines as well. Um, I just want to say a huge thank you to Lara and Dario as well. Um, because, you know, it was a huge, you know, it was a, a, a completely different pantomime to, to put on. And it was a huge challenge, you know. Um, and I can just say it from my perspective because it was my first buddy. I know I have been baddie twice for Unbound, <laughs> but it was my first baddie. So I'm not saying I'm typecast or anything, but um, but it was just amazing. And, you know, to take a risk on me um, when, you know, I was new to the company and I've never played a baddie. So huge, huge thank you. So I just wanted just to say thank you to both of you to kind of, you know, take a chance on me and <laughs> hopefully I did it well I don't know I'm just you know I had quite a few people enjoying the show so I just really hope that you know it was what you expected to be Lara so you know we were all very proud to be with you you know and and be part of it with you so thank you yeah I just wanted to say thank you now. <laughs> yeah absolutely I think um as well just um kind of echo all those points really but to to do something original what I really loved about this particular one was was how it did tackle um the issue of sexism and the, the whole you know I'd like to think that Gawain um having having uh, you know uh, dressed up as as the the male with the beards had got the same <laughs> pay as all the other knights uh, and, and hopefully continued to do so after yeah. the uh, after the show's conclusion like going oh well you actually are doing the same job, so um, we should continue giving. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Anwin's in charge now, so obviously it would have been a thing. But I like to think that even if Arthur had survived, that you know, having learned his lesson, that yes, um, Gawain should continue to get the same pay. And I think it's important that you know we're putting this message into some very young minds, mm. um, and we want them to to go away entertained, but also to have learned a value mm. or something. I think that to carry on doing original uh, scripts that kind of take these kind of issues on board and and to help promote uh, things like that I think is hugely important and massive benefit and something that perhaps is a bit of a niche um, sitting with with Unbound well, uh, long may it continue yeah. I also feel the same because it was mentioned earlier about Arthur dying and not shying away from that as a person who lost my dad um, as a teenager, it was really nice to see it being done so delicately. And don't get me wrong, there were times where I was like, this is a little bit hard. <laughs> like when he comes back and says goodbye, like I, I'm pretty sure I didn't do it for most rehearsals yeah. because it was really yeah, hard I did for as me. Well, yeah. Um, but to see it being done, I'm like, oh, because when I was younger, you sort of look around and you're like, I, I feel like the only one. I feel like the only Aww. person in the yeah. world like this. 
um, because it wasn't being portrayed in anything I was consuming. And if I was, it was in young adult books where the child was, the teenager was completely fine when the parents died and there's no repercussions. And whereas, you know, watching the real pain, but also the positivity that continues in life after um, the loss of someone very special is a really beautiful thing. And to have it written so nicely, handled so delicately and be so beautiful um, was a wonderful thing. And it's one of those things where you're like, this is a little bit tricky, but I think that's good. Yeah, I have to say, uh, the only thing with having a a death scene in the um, pantomime the, the curtain closed. I then had to walk on stage and do the sing-along with everybody. Get all happy again. <laughs> and everyone's yeah. crying. A lot of, fun, yeah. <laughs> lot of responsibility for Chris there. I mean, I think so, the, uh, First of all, I saw that rehearsal. The best comment I heard from the rehearsal about that, uh, for, uh, not from rehearsal, from the audience um, about Arthur's death, was was uh, in there's a, there's a moment on every night where the audience where it hits the audience that yes we have actually done this Arthur is not coming back that that Merlin is is not going to resurrect him and it's it it is a it's a deathly hush it really is the the Mm. audience stops everyone goes quiet the kids stop rustling their sweet packets and it's it's a moment where everyone sort of takes a collective breath and during this moment, there was one dad that had obviously had a couple of glasses of wine, and he just went, "Oh, it's not very Christmassy, is it?" <laughs> <laughs> and the laughter that rippled out from that. So by the time Chris came back on for the sing along, they were all in good spirits again. <laughs> it was wonderful. It's just it, the the resilience of of the people who were in the audience to bounce back guided by Chris, guided by the, the sing-along and the happy at the end was, was fascinating to see as a director from behind the scenes but, um, but yeah, I think we we affected the audience and we managed to speak to them in a new way which I think is important for mm. theatre to do Yeah. Mm. Oh, well that's lovely that's, this is lovely um, but that does bring us to the end of this episode and what a nice way to end it so I just want to say thank you for all your thoughts and memories and thank you to everyone who's listening in for more episodes of Tell Great Stories and lots of other great audio and video content head over to unboundtheatre.co.uk or look up Unbound Theatre on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram or SoundCloud 